This is the Galway Podcast. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? Hi, Fender. I'm Jane O'Leary. I'm a musician. I do lots of things, but mostly I do composition these days. I'm Sally Coyle. I just love music. This is how I got involved in music for Galway, Galway Music Residency. Okay, so we'll talk a bit more about that. So um, I want to start at the start. Your personal histories, uh, where are you from? How did you get to be in Galway? And how did you get to be involved in music? If you want to take that in your own ways. Right, well... Jane. So this is Jane, yeah. 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 I, I'll, I'll point out who's who for, for the start, and then people be, start to get to know their voices. But yeah, Jane, you're from USA. Yes, well, I arrived in Ireland just over 50 years ago. It was in November 72. Seems like another century. Uh, it was another century. <laughs> um, yeah, I met my husband before coming here, and he was from Waterford and... Galway, a graduate of university in Galway. And we were both at Princeton doing PhDs, me in music and he in, oh, he was in some engineering department there, but he's applied mathematics basically. And we arrived in Galway in the middle of winter. It was grey and wet and lonely, but here I am 50 years later. I love the place. I wouldn't go anywhere else. And I'm a musician all my life. From the age of five, I started playing the piano and I just love music. So I've devoted my life to various activities, building up musical activities in Ireland and also working as a pianist and a composer. And so what was the draw for you to go to Galway? Uh, Pat had a postdoc fellowship at the university here for two or three years. So he had had a Fulbright and it was part of the requirements of a Fulbright, which is a good idea, I think, that if you go um, to America to study, that you come back to your home country for a certain amount of time. So we said we'd try it and here we are. <laughs> Still here. Okay, and Sally? I grew up in Dublin. I went to college in UCD, where I met my now husband. And um, he is an only child. His fa- He's from Galway. His father wanted him to come and work with him in Galway. So we had two years in Dublin and twins. And we moved when they were two, and that's 50 years ago. And we're here ever since. And um, we had more children after that. Kept me busy. Um, There was very, very little in the way of artistic uh, events in Galway at the time. The only really regular live music was jazz in the Great Southern on a Sunday. I mean, it really was that bad. So I got involved in the Galway Arts Uh, movement and uh, from then into music for Galway. So you're not a musician yourself? No, no, I know I did have piano lessons as a child, which I really did not like Uh, when our very nice elderly piano teacher died. I was allowed to give up. Uh, So I prefer to listen. Mm. (laughs) Uh, And 
you did you have I'm turning to you Jane did you have piano lessons or did you I did I did I demanded them at the age of four wow okay so (laughs) you asked for them I did my older sister was um learning piano rather reluctantly and I was very envious and I had the most wonderful first piano teacher Mrs Florence Skiff I I'll never forget those lessons. She was just so enthusiastic and encouraging and she loved it so much that I did too. I think it's a, I think of the forbidden fruit, you know, because you didn't, uh, you, you were not signed up for music lessons initially and you wanted to get them. Yeah. Whereas you were being forced into the room. Not uh, really forced, well, but, but yeah, yeah. happy to give it up. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think about my own personal time whenever I was a kid. I was in violin or fiddle lessons and I played 10 instruments today and not one of them or the fiddle, you know, which is a sad thing. Mm. And we had my kids in here a moment ago and I was telling you, I was about to tell you that um, they... I'm not, I'm not going to put them into lessons because their mother, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, uh, learned Chopin and all the rest. She plays the piano very, very beautifully, but not as much as I play music. Whenever I was teaching in China, if you open the door and show what's available, the kid will want to walk through there. Whereas if, you, there's, a, there's, a, if there's an element of being forced into the room, there's more of a resistance to the learning. How do you feel about that, Jane? Hmm. Interesting. I think you're right. Um, I think I think if you if you have a passion for music, you'll know it pretty early on, and you'll you'll find it. Now, that's that's not to say in my teenage years I didn't have a little rebellion and try to give it up, <laughs> but that's part of sort of normal too. And what happened that you went back to it then? I I didn't like the teacher I had. I think at the time, and it kind of wavered for a bit. But then I. I uh, found another wonderful teacher. Mm. It's it's amazing how important the teachers are too. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And maybe I should explain about how uh, our paths came to cross. So in university, I was studying in University of Leeds. There's three guys there, and they're all from Bangor in Northern Ireland. And I never met any of them until I was in university. And like magnets, we just pulled towards each other because of the crack. One of those guys was a guy called Ed Bennett. And Ed is a composer. So Jane and I met on a coffee morning because I was lonely, not knowing many people in Galway. And I went along to meet these new people. And Jane was there and we were talking about music. And then it became apparent that she was in this world that maybe Ed Bennett could be in. So I asked Jane, do you know Ed Bennett? And what did you say to you? <laughs> I nearly fell over with shock. <laughs> Ed, I said, he's one of my oldest friends. <laughs> I've known him for years and been playing his music for years. And he, he was born 70 years old. Did you know that? What? He was born 70 years old. He's always been an old person. So I'm going to say <laughs> yeah, old friends. Yeah, that's Ed Bennett. <laughs> Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much. He's a great, great friend. And we'll get him. We'll get him on the podcast whenever he's having a piece performed here. So I wanted to talk about four things uh, today. One is the Galway Music Residency and your involvement there. Another one is a Contempo Quartet. Uh, a third one is well, this is this is a questionable title: Contemporary Classical Music. 
Okay, we don't even know if that's an agreeable title. And the fourth one is the GF, the Galway International Arts Festival. So let's start with the Galway Music Residency. Um, what's your involvement there? I was chairman of Music for Galway for seven years. And in my last year, I went to the West Cork Chamber Music Festival in Bantry. I'd been there before. It's a lovely call it informal festival where you can meet musicians, you hear musicians, they have a whole series of different concerts, very intimate, small concerts, small audiences, really well presented. Um, so just to go back for, to Music for Galway, we had had wonderful houses in our last few years. I mean, packed out, we were looking all over college for extra chairs we had done everything we could to to broaden our audience and to break down what I call the force field. Where people are afraid to go to a concert, you know, but would love to hear music. So we had a few schemes going. We had our young friends and they were youngsters who were learning piano, maybe horn, maybe whatever else, privately, mostly. And we had them as our friends and they had nice jobs to do for us, like page turning and handing out programs, that kind of thing. That worked well with bringing in young people. But we still had no formal music school in Galway. We had this wonderful Steinway piano, which belonged to the city. And um, we had tried so many ways to get people to kind of open up certainly the city just it was a blank wall and um it was that in terms of funding or in terms of audience no because they did give us funding um not a huge amount but it's just lack of want not interested you know if, from, from the audience point of view no no from from the i suppose the application of um having a school of music or a centre of music or something. School of music is not really the right term. But anyway, I went to Bantry and while I was there, I met two people who changed things for me. One was Christopher Marwood, who is the cellist with the Van Brew String Quartet. And the other was Sigmund Nissel, who's the second violin player with the Amadeus Quartet. And I had conversation with two of them separately and together, and asked their advice about moving forward. We now had full houses. We had a really terrific programme of musicians. And I said, you know, if, if we can't get a school of music, would we try and get a residency of a group? And they said, go for it. And then uh, Sigmund Nissel said he was willing to help select an ensemble. He was based in London, actually teaching quartets. So I came back that autumn um, to our next board meeting and presented the board and they said, yes, go ahead. And we then Jane and I went to visit um, Pat Vottrell, who was president of uh, NUIG Galway. Um, and he was very interested and he said, oh, yes, yes, that sounds like a good idea. Go and do a feasibility study. So this was something we hadn't done. And we went and we got somebody who did that for us. And that was 
that was able to explain to us um, how we could do it. Um, we had to find funders then. So we had the university, we had the Arts Council, we had uh, TG Cahar, and we had the Galway City and County giving smaller amounts. But that was our core funding. And so we were away. So that was then the next thing we had to do. Can I just ask there, what was TG Cahar getting out of this? Well, you might well ask. It was uh, contacts in Ireland are so useful. Um, a friend of my husband's who, who is a sailor had this young man sailing with him. I won't name his name, but um, he said, oh, that sounds very interesting. Um, we could probably give some funding for that. So he did. And it was kind of random for them, but... Um, so I should explain as well for anybody who lives outside of Ireland. Yeah. In Ireland, you have the RTE, which is like the Irish equivalent of BBC. And then one of the channels is called TG Cahar, which is almost exclusively in Gaelic language. Yes. So did um, was there music supplied to them? for? Not like, yet. No. Okay, okay. No, no. So then we had to advertise, which we did internationally, because we wanted the best, the best we could get. And we got several that would have been possible. But the Contempo String Quartet were the winners. And they were loved by the audience. We, they were so warm. They were young. They were passionate about their music. And they were so well trained and polished. And um, so that was it. And that may was I it. ask, uh, what year was this then? This was 2000. And Contempo Quartet, the one that, well, we'll move on to them. Well, that, that was moving over to 2001, mm -hmm. and I was coming to the end of my term as, as chairman. So at that stage, when we had decided on them, um, I handed over to lovely Hilary Vesey as the next chair. And I retired so as not to be looking over her shoulder and um, she dealt very well with the next bit and then she also had fluent Irish and she was I suppose a dream for TJ Cahar in a way um, and then then the launch so uh, it, that's how it started it, it went on obviously all the the board of music for Galway particularly Jane and Claire Cuddy were involved at the time and of course Hilary and um, so then, as I say, I took a back seat until I was invited onto the new board for the Galway Ensemble in Residence was our original name, which was such a, um, a, a mouthful, really. We changed it later. But um, so that's my we, we college was University College. Galway was so good to us. They provided us with um, a marvellous suite of offices where we had an office. A rehearsal room, a little kitchenette, and this was all in Carrab Village. So we were blessed at the beginning. And then it took off, not without headaches, but we learnt an awful lot <laughs> on the way. And and the music was wonderful. Brilliant. And Jean, what do you want to contribute there? Yeah, I must say, I congratulations on your memories, Sally. It's fantastic because... It's all a bit of a blur for me. Well, you're too busy. Your head's full of music notes. <laughs> yeah, so, that's yeah. it. I keep yeah. moving on. Yeah. <laughs> but I do remember the auditions we had. We had, I think, five ensembles uh, were shortlisted to come to Galway and uh, present themselves. And 
and uh, this was back around 2000, 2001 maybe, yeah, I don't know. 2001. Um, and Contempo were the obvious winners, although they were all wonderful ensembles. Uh, it, just they were so passionate and they really wanted the job. They're, by the way, it, it, for people who don't know who they are, they're from Bucharest, Romania. Four young people, they're two married couples, uh, which is pretty unusual. It's not unique, but it's it's unusual because they're, as a string quartet, they're always together. And then the two pairs are always together. <laughs> that's difficult, I'd imagine. The, the Abba of string quartets. Oh, Don't that's, say that. But hopefully, hopefully no. not the same ending. Yeah. No. That's yeah. what Adrian always refers to them as, or he did at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but yes, and then I, I think that was before Romania had joined the EU and there were all sorts of problems for their coming. They had to have visas and yeah. So, so we got through all that and we didn't really know at the start how, how it would go or what, what it would be because it was totally unique. Um, there had been the Vogler Quartet in Sligo and that was another model we looked at carefully. But they weren't actually living in the Sligo. They would come and go. And we were very insistent in setting up this residency that the ensemble, whatever it might be, it didn't have to be a quartet, would have to live in Galway. And that actually put a lot of people off that, you know, their families and all that weren't willing. And I suppose with two young married couples, it was a little bit easier, maybe. there that there is another uh, ensemble that are homegrown. Do you think there's an issue with the way in which music is taught in Ireland compared to mainland Europe? Well, the training that these musicians had had in Bucharest is just phenomenal. I mean, we all knew that string players from Eastern Europe were incredible. We had had lots of quartets from the Czech Republic and uh, they were just unbelievable string players. And at Contempo, their training was very different, I think, from what we were used to. Um, probably very demanding. Um, their whole life from, from quite young, I, I think, was dedicated to practicing and, and learning the repertoire. And so that was pretty obvious that their, their background was different yeah and do you think that there's a an issue with the way in which music is taught in ireland or is it just uh they're more intense in in europe oh it probably does go back to the teaching um 
I don't think music teaching was uh, top of the list in Ireland <laughs> 50 years ago, 20 years ago, I should say. Um, yeah, it's grown a lot in the last 20 years. It's improved a lot. It's much more open and inclusive and there are more opportunities. I think the opportunities were very limited. If you lived in Dublin, it was fine. You had access to good music schools. But in Galway, it, you know, seriously, there was a very little in the way of music teaching, uh, very little in the schools, very little amongst private teachers. Uh, the music department in the university in Galway only came about five years ago. So, you know, where you lived would, would definitely uh, put a damper on your <laughs> hopes for becoming a musician. Do you know what's going through my mind is, is passing the driving test. So whenever you go to pass the driving test, you've got to, you know, make sure you don't cross your arms and all the rest and uh, feed the steering wheel through your hands. So it's a proper way of driving. Whenever you're learning the fiddle or violin or cello or whatever, you're going, and I've experienced this a lot in China, is that they're going through these examinations, I call them hoops. So running up to jump through a hoop. And then once they pass that examination of getting through that hoop, they're moving on to the next piece, the next hoop. So whenever, whenever Contempo had had all their training and they've come to Galway, do you think there's been an element of a feeling from them, and I should ask them this, of... Um, They've passed the driving test. Now they can actually play music in the way that they want to play it. Is there more freedom is what I'm asking? I hope so. Um, I, I think we've, we've seen that emerging. And now that you've raised that question, it's uh, interesting because you mentioned exams. And I grew up in America and... We never heard of piano exams. Wow. And I came here and the, the British system was in place here and the the examination process, a huge organization like and I was shocked and the whole idea seemed foreign to me. Is that why you guys invented mm -hmm. jazz? Uh, well, I can't answer that. <laughs> but I know that we played recitals all the time. I mean, you had your piano lessons and you performed to the public all the time, twice a year. And for your fellow um, students, for each other, it was all about loving the music and performing it. Maybe I was very lucky, but that's how I... I grew up with music, playing it live. I, I thought the idea of playing to um, examiners just horrific. Yeah. And it's not a real audience. And the whole idea of music is communicating and playing to an audience. I remember when I was <laughs> studying in university and I had some real challenges submitting work on time. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's probably why I'm a podcaster. There's no deadlines. So um, the... The idea that, and I pose this to my tutors, how can you mark art? You know, which is, mm. it's such a, a profound question, but it's actually, it's not the best question to ask in a university. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
It is hard to define, isn't it? I mean, you know when it's good and it yes. when it when it um when it resonates with listeners or viewers or whatever way it connects to somebody else, it's all about communication. And well, no, obviously it's about skill and discipline as well. I mean, that's the hard part, and that's what puts a lot of people off. Uh, understandably, but if if you really want to master it, you don't mind that you you go through the the hours and hours of practicing and studying um, because in the end it's the communication with some listener that makes it worthwhile. I kind of see it that if you think of a, it's almost like a dial. So on one side you've got mathematics because there's the scales etc., and then the other side is the art. You know, so I kind of think that music performances is uh, fluctuating between the two. Yeah. So, you know, it's the balance between art and maths. It is. I mean, your brain is working. Mm. It's not <laughs> but, even maths, it's science because yeah. there's physics involved as well, sound waves and so on. It's not yeah. as simple as, as, as And you, you study all those things as a composer. You, you need to know how it works. Mm-hmm. But in the end, when you're actually writing music, you let your heart take over and it's a mixture of instinct and discipline. So Contempo Quartet, is there anything else we want to mention about them? Well, they ch- they changed things for us completely. Uh, we used them in as many ways as we could. They did concerts in schools all around the city and the county. They gave concerts for us. They began teaching in a small way. And when people heard them, they realized this is something very special. So, for instance, out in the Geltat, where so many children learn, as you say, the tin whistle, the violin. Um, here was something completely different. So you'd have a, a class of maybe 30 children agog at this and they never dumbed down to their audience. So they would start with maybe Haydn or Beethoven, just a movement and explain a little. And just to see that reception was what we wanted. So finally, we we're getting through. We're still working at getting through. But they they are doing a lot more teaching and um, they have been an education, really, to Galway. And our concerts have been magic. So that's... And really it sounds like they are the perfect um, ensemble to take the role because yeah. being young... Being from Romania, they're hungry for the experience of sharing the love of their music and yeah, their yeah. training. So I assume in these workshops with the kids, they were very open to the kids coming up to yes. to even touching the instruments, I'm guessing. Absolutely. Here. Yes. And explaining, you know, how things work. And um, so, you know, explaining different movements in music and just giving a little demonstration of, you know, eight bars or so. Um that was the very beginning. And then we kind of brought it back. It, it was spreading them too thin. And so we did, we started a series of summer schools. And I don't know if you ever went to an Irish college in the summer to learn oh, Irish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So this was like the musical equivalent. So now the children coming to these who had all reached a certain standard of ability were playing together instead of just 
hammering away at the same old piece and then working towards the exam. And that playing together was terrific. Mm. So it was an eye opener for the, the kids. And um, we're still doing that a bit. Uh, it's It takes a lot of organising. We're, we're still spread a bit thin. And um, that's just one aspect of them. Um, and so whenever they're playing together, I'm seeing these kids playing various instruments or was it yeah. just string quartet instruments? Mainly string. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, we did have, we had a few flutes and maybe clarinets as well, did we? Back in the early in the days. early years. Now, yeah. um, the last two years we've had a, just a summer school yeah. for, for strings. Yeah. So yeah. the pieces were, they're, they're playing the same arrangement as the string quartet. Yes. Yeah. Because you would probably have to arrange it specifically. Yeah, but they, they can do that quite easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I do want to ask this question, which is how does the string quartet work mm. in terms of arrangement? I'm So I should explain this maybe is um, a major chord is the first, the third and the fifth note of a scale. And if you think of the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, mm. is an octave. So one, two, three, four, five. So do re mi so so those three notes the, that's three three notes. So if you have one string playing each of those notes, you're going to get a chord. Well, it's major or minor or whatever. The fourth one is it as simple as one's doing a chord and the other one's doing a melody? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm asking the most simple question. So I know uh, this is this is not a simple answer. I'm I'm, I'm asking it from dual public's point of view. So what do you want to say about you're, that? You're you? asking for a history of the string quartet yes. from Haydn onward. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly that. <laughs> it started out with the well. First of all, if anybody isn't familiar and doesn't live in Galway and hasn't heard contempo quartet, it's two violins, a viola, and a cello. So you have four. Well, three different sizes of basically the same instrument, which each of them has four strings and a resonating body. Um, and they play it with a bow or with their fingers. Um, so uh, initially the range between the, the first violin and the cello is, is, is quite huge. And music would have laid out in chords the way you described it with the, the cello having the bass line and the the violin having the melody on top and the second violin and the viola doing the harmonies in the middle, filling it in. But as it kind of, as music evolved, and it, it's always evolving, um, it's progressed through uh, Romantic era and into the modern era and into the 21st century. And it's become more um, tonally equal that the cello can play the highest notes, the violin can do anything at all um, within their range, of course, but the cello has a huge range and it's all mixed up and anything is possible nowadays, musically speaking. I guess we're naturally moving into the area of contemporary classical music. So um, number one, I don't know what it's called. Is it contemporary music? Is it uh, contemporary classical music? And then... Um, Whenever I'm thinking of the genre, there's postmodernism, etc. All these are labels that you give it. The one that I think of the best label for it is Ulysses. And I've, it's funny, I've just done two podcasts on Ulysses. But Ulysses reinvented writing. And Stravinsky's Rite of Spring could be argued to have reinvented music. 
Well, it's interesting that you say you, you don't know what to call it because I have sat through hours and hours on committees of organizations promoting music where we say, what can we do about this name, classical music? It doesn't describe what we do now. Actually, it's, actually, an it's, it's an era. It's an era of music, yes. Yeah, mm. 18th century. Yes. Um, and, it, and it follows certain patterns and formulas and, and structures like classic uh, architecture or something yeah. you can you can see the, the the patterns so we're agreed that classical music doesn't it's not but it's not what we do now it's kind of a certain era but it doesn't it shouldn't be used mm. to describe all kinds of art music maybe you know but what what there is no acceptable term that's in use to describe music which has this history, which has evolved through the years and is, I suppose, historically has been written down, has been um, replicated, recorded and evolves. And it's now in the 21st century becoming all kinds of things. It's, it's impossible to describe what today's music in the classical tradition is. So, I don't know, contemporary also implies, <laughs> I suppose most people think, oh, contemporary music, oh no, <laughs> I don't want to hear that. <laughs> well, because it has this um, mm. depiction of being <laughs> difficult, obtuse. Correct. Yeah, and, and frankly, a lot of it is. Yes, I, mean, I think composers are very aware of that, and I I, as myself, having studied composition, have been through that and I've written that kind of music. Uh, and it's, you know, perfect according to the rules, but you play it and and you say, hmm, that didn't really work. I don't think, you know, that really connected with the audience. And for me, that was a personal issue. And I, I just kept listening to myself with more intensity and saying, no, I, I want to make it more appealing to the listener without dumbing down, mm, you yeah, know, yeah. but finding something softer or freer, more freedom, I think, mm -hmm. is what I'm always looking for, mm -hmm. um, for both the listener and the performer. And it's working. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, or maybe, is. Yeah. maybe the audience is catching up with me. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I think. Yeah. But. I think, you know, I think there's so many, it, it, there's so many kinds of music out there that you're not going to like all of it. Uh, none of us, we're going to have our personal preferences, mm. but there's plenty of music out there that's wonderful mm. and you want to hear again. That That's kind of a a clue if you want to hear it again, yeah. you know. And, you know, I'm not saying that all music is, is jarring and all the rest. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing either. Because the way I see music in many ways or, or listening to debate, particularly debate whenever it is two very opposing sides, it's almost like you're taking your brain to the gym. And so whenever I'm listening to uh, contemporary music, if, if it is challenging me, I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as a necessary thing mm -hmm. in order for me to develop as a, as a listener, as, as a musician, as an artist, um, as a punter. But we as humans, we like to categorize things. We like to put things in boxes and say, okay, I'm going to listen to some jazz now. And then you find out that jazz is actually, even Miles Davis. Okay, so Miles Davis, I'm going to listen to Bitches Brew, which is 
avant-garde jazz from the 70s fusion jazz. Or I'm going to listen to bebop. Categorizing it and then spotting a new movement. I think spotting a new movement is key to this as well, because you know at at what point is there an inflection in the direction? Um. Yeah. I I think it's kind of a shame that everything is put in boxes. And part of what we're doing in the program with Contempo Quartet is broadening the listening experience. We try and introduce contemporary music call it what you like, music written in the last 30 years, say, uh, to all our programs. Um, we try to introduce composers from different parts of the world. And I guess I, I just think people need to be open and and they need the opportunities to hear different kinds of music. If you if you put a box around it and, and you say, I'm only listening to jazz, I'm only listening to a particular group, as you mentioned a few names there, well, then you're cutting yourself off from a lot of music. Do you miss a loved one that's passed on? Perhaps you miss their voice or their mannerisms. Perhaps you have questions that remain unanswered. Don't let that happen to your children or grandchildren. At Salt Hill Media, we can record your life story or that of a loved one for future generations. So when someone asks, hey, what was granny like? Or what was granddad like? You can point them to an interview and say, you tell me. We can tailor an interview to be as long or as short as you want it to be. All with professional recording equipment and post-production. You may think that your life is not worth documenting. Well, not according to your children or grandchildren. Record that life story before it's too late. Email salthillmedia at gmail.com or go to salthillmedia.com for more information. This is The Galway Podcast. Whenever I said earlier about... Um, own contemporary classical music and the sort of mm. wince of it. What would you say to that person to entice them along? Is the essence of trying to sell something that's unsellable to a certain type of person. But if somebody's quite more open to it and they don't know where to start in terms of entering into this uh, world. If it was visual art, you would say, this gallery is showing current paintings. You may be used to 
art galleries full of Rembrandts and Vermeers and whatever else come and look at this in the same way with music. Allow your ears to open a bit. I'm still trying. Um, I find Jane's music, um, I really enjoy it. Not just because we're friends, but she's got something well adept and uh, I don't know is accessible the right word, but um, you can be receptive towards it. And she does describe her music often in pictorial ways, which may or may not be a help um, because listening is separate. But it's it's always worthwhile. Sometimes, as you say, some music is a real challenge to listen to and you just feel I'm not interested in listening to that again. Life is too short. But, <laughs> uh, and for her, she has been just so, so busy this last year. It's just coming in leaps and bounds and her audience is growing all the time. So, Sally, you're a kind of, well, a, a Joe Soap. A Joe Soap, yeah. but, but a Joe Soap who loves music. Mm. And so where would you advise anybody to start into this world in terms of listening experiences? Come, to, come, well, our concerts are free. That was one of the stipulations we decided. Whether we could afford it or not, the only way to entice people is to make it as easy as possible. People give contributions. There's a contribution box on the way in. And they show their appreciation in that way. And we do have sponsors. It's, it's quite difficult to get sponsors for specific arts. But listening and, as Jane says, programming some contemporary or, you know, now music within a more classical program is a way of people listening without having a choice, really, in a way, if it's in the middle of a program, but also they're exposed then to something that they mightn't go out of their way to listen to. So the the box that she talks about is opening. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, go on. I just, I think the difference between listening to live performers and to recordings is a totally different experience. And for me, I can be persuaded by a good performer to like anything. So the hard part is getting me out the door <laughs> to listen <laughs> to a live performer. And I'm going to give a plug to say um, if you haven't, if you're in Galway and you haven't had a chance to hear Contempo Quartet, just go and hear them whenever you can um, because they're so persuasive in their playing. And they have a varied program and there's always something different in the program. It's not just Beethoven and Mozart. It's a bit of everything. And you can ease your way into maybe getting familiar with Irish composers who are living today and what they're trying to do and how they're saying it. Um, so that's, that's my <laughs> advice. And, and where can they hear them? Well, in the summer now, there's going to be a series of three concerts at Galway International Arts Festival in July. And in September, the season will kick off again. And there's a 
free lunchtime concert the first Tuesday of every month from September on in St. Nicholas Collegiate Church in the heart of Galway. Uh, the first Tuesday is... At one o'clock. At one o'clock. And yeah. it's always an interesting mix of pieces and wonderful playing from Contempo. And I, th- I think it's actually... is it. Five past one or ten past one? Uh, it's Say probably one ten past yeah, one. <laughs> because it gives people time to get yeah. from work to yes. do it, which is you're very right. clever. Yes. You're right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. that's the idea. And, and if you're late, say it's quarter past, you have to wait. Sh- you have to wait. You will have to wait till no, there's a break in the music. Okay, but you're but still then you'll be allowed in. Yeah. Oh yes. So yeah. it's free for it's those free. events, and then for the the arts festival, there's a there's an admission fee. There's yeah. a there is there's yes. a series of of three coming up in July. Yeah, and it's funny that you say about a performer performing music if they can make it alive, you mm-hmm. know. And I was talking to Aileen Maloney who performed. Um, uh, Ulysses, Molly Bloom's uh, closing speech on Ulysses, on Ulysses. Yes. and we were talking about uh, a lesson I heard 30 years ago <laughs> which was uh, from an acting teacher of mine and he said um, an actor who does not understand Shakespeare is an actor who cannot convey the meaning of Shakespeare and I think that this can be applied to Contempo's music because they convey the passion of the music and mm. I can see it. I've only been to one of these concerts and it was so apparent that they loved what they were doing. Yeah. That's it. That's yes. that's what's needed. Um, and, and you just absorb that passion. It's infectious. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. You sent me a list through of some pieces. Yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about some of the pieces that, that you've... you've uh, some got. of these might be sold out, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't does matter. It? We can yeah. still talk about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in coming up in the Galway Arts Festival, there's going to be three concerts, each with a different focus. And Tuesday, the 18th of July, there's the first concert is called Jazz Tempo, and it features Matthew Beryl. well-known around Galway. He's from Hedford and can often be seen playing in Galway. Um, He's put together a program of pieces which he's composed, which he's arranged, and also featuring a couple of unusual pieces, one of which is by an Egyptian composer, Hamza El-Din. It's called The Water Wheel or Escalé. And this is a fascinating piece um, of, of recent years. Um, 
but it's a it's a fusion, I think, of uh, Egyptian ideas, musical ideas, and almost a minimalist style of composition, repetitive, the idea of the water wheel and the image, I suppose, of the animals walking around a circle, turning the wheel. But the, the music is a little bit improvised and um, very effective. Now, minimalism is a word that's used a lot in contemporary music. Do you want to explain a little bit oh, about dear. that? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no, I wrote them of words and thrown it on your lap. <laughs> Ah, well, to the outsider, I guess you'd say it's kind of repetitive and slow moving. Um, a minimal number of ideas, but kind of stretching them out. You might know John Adams or Steve Reich. Or yeah, or Philip Glass. Philip Glass, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 I actually love his work. I'm a big sucker for him. Yeah, I heard him in 1987. It was a piece... Um, there's a soundtrack to a movie called Mishima about the Japanese oh, yeah, author. Oh, yeah, It's fantastic. Yeah, there's it's, a quartet from that, or, yeah, or with yeah, that title. Yeah, mm. and um, do you know what sucked me in was the drums and the electric guitar. So there was a string orchestra, and then there's a piece called Osama's House, I think it's called, uh, and it's got, it opens up with electric guitar, and it sounds very much like an electric Fender Stratocaster, um, if, if I'm using my... Mm. Really finely tuned ears for single coil pickups, and um, and the, the drums, and it's almost like a jazz piece at the start, and then it goes into this minimalist, um, mm. slow moving piece thereafter. But it's fantastic. <laughs> Just thinking as you're talking about electric guitars and that, that these instruments that Contempo play, the violin, the viola and the cello, they're not that different from a guitar, except they have huge resonance. Well, the electric guitar obviously has the added resonance over an acoustic one, but um, you've got four strings and a resonating box. And yeah, what absolutely. do you do with it? <laughs> absolutely. There's a, there's a brilliant piece by Bang on a Can called Industry, which is an electric cello through uh, distortion and uh, some delays and reverbs and stuff. It sounds like, a, I think in the liner notes, it's explained as it's supposed to be like a giant cello suspended in the air. And it, yeah, it sounds like Hendri if Hendrix was to play uh, the cello, this is probably what it would sound like. <laughs>
minimalism. So we're talking about uh, Matthew. Uh, he's on Tuesday the 18th with Jazz Temple. Is Jazz Temple his uh, trio? Is that what it's called? Uh, well, he, he has uh, guest artists, but it's a program initiated by the Galway Music Residency a couple of years ago um, to try and bring together a fusion of jazz and classical and... Um, yeah, the, the program includes the string quartet with his guest artists. So Matthew Beryl, he's playing in Taviark on Tuesday, 18th of July. In that program, there's himself, there's Roisin Muelez, if I said that correctly, uh, Angus Hackett and Barry Donoghue in double bass and Contempo Quartet as well. So Roisin is, playing, is singing and Angus is playing guitar and Matthew's playing the sax or clarinet. MD. Do, do you want to say anything about that, Jane? Uh, well, I just said that uh, there, there'd be jazz pieces, um, songs, and for the full ensemble, also involving the quartet, um, and this really interesting piece by Hamza al-Din, Egyptian composer, um, and also um, a small bit of a clarinet quintet that's string quartet with Matthew on clarinet together uh, a piece by Elizabeth McConkey who's um, Irish British composer who um, was born in England but lived in Ireland until she was 16 and then she went to London and studied with Vaughan Williams and stayed there obviously the work was a lot better over there and her daughter Nicola Lefanu is also a composer very well known very often in Ireland but uh, it's very interesting because Elizabeth McConkie was a woman at a time when not many women were were writing music in the 20th century she wrote 13 string quartets and I, I love what she said about the quartet uh, she she was described as as loving a quartet because it represented a debate, a dialectic between four balanced, individual, impassioned voices. And that's exactly what you have in a quartet. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. You mentioned there that she's interesting because she's writing music at a time whenever mm. women were doing this. You were doing it. Oh, this was a little earlier now. Her, she would be my mother's age. Like this okay, okay. clarinet quintet that's going to be performed was written in 1964. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. and her, her daughter, Nick, is about 19, my age. Forgive mm. me, whenever I saw 1964, I didn't know that was her date of birth. Oh, right. So that's that's, a, that's a, whenever the piece was actually written. That's right, yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow, yeah. Okay, so uh, should we move on to Wednesday? So, yeah. So Wednesday, the emphasis is on the trad uh, area of music, but again, it's a, a nice mix of different kinds of things. Uh, we're featuring a new work by Bill Whelan. Bill Whelan of uh, Riverdance fame? Mm-hmm. Yes, the very same, and you know, he lives in County Galway. And yeah, Roundstone. I just found this out this morning, so that's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully, Bill, whenever you hear this, I'm coming after you. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a Galway connection on everything. Um, so Contempo are featured in this new work called Stolen Hearts, which has been commissioned with funds from the Arts Council. And Contempo, along with um, Bill's guests, uh, Seamus and Quiva O'Flaherty, 
um, we'll be performing the premiere. Uh, we're also going to hear some work from his Seville suite, which probably everybody knows, The Coast of Galicia. Coast of Galicia, and he's doing a special arrangement for the ensemble with the quartet. But interestingly, uh, we're going to have two Irish composers um, represented, Dave Flynn and Amanda Feary, who are both young composers and connected with Godway. Amanda's teaching in the new music department at the university here, and Dave has uh, lived in County Galway and divides his time between New Zealand and Spittle. So there's an uh, interesting connection there. And yeah, just to mention that that's in St. Nicholas's Church at 6pm. Mm. On, yeah. Wednesday, on Wednesday the 19th. 19th. And so Dave's piece, it's called The Cranning. And do you want to talk a little bit? Yeah, uh, The Cranning is an effect on the Ellen Pipes. And although this piece is for quartet only... It's totally inspired by the sound of the pipes. And he's, you know, we talked about earlier about the, the discipline versus the instinct. And he studied the tuning of the pipes and how they work and the kind of music. is very much into the fusion of traditional and, for lack of a better word, classical music. Um, and his, his music merges these two forms very effectively. Yeah, that'd be worth checking out on the, on the 19th. Mm. Manda's piece, I also listened to that, uh, is on SoundCloud. Um, something like Light But Not is the title of that uh, piece. So that's... Yeah, that was commissioned by the Galway Music Residency and um, a few years back and premiered with Paura Keane, a wonderful piper, absolutely beautiful. And again, uh, Amanda and Dave are very different composers. 
Um, but she also has based this piece on the sounds of the pipe and written it around the whole idea of the tuning, etc. And Porrick is the piper and he is in it with the string quartet. So there are five of them. So whenever you commission a piece, what goes through your mind in terms of how do you decide which piece to commission? And then second of all, what do you get out of it? Well, the organisation commissions it um, because they want to um, represent a composer. They, they Usually there's a process where people can apply for a commission and then uh, uh, someone is selected to, to get it. But it may be that you know the work of somebody and want to follow through. Um, getting a new work from that person and there's money comes from the Arts Council or the City Council and it provides time for the composer to work on a piece for a specific performance. I think for the composer, the important part of a commission is having a concert. Mm -hmm. And money. Mm, Yeah. I'm thinking about, this is like the modern equivalent of Planksty Irwin. So Planksty Irwin was a piece written by Turlock O'Carlin back in the 17th century. And Irwin, we think, was the customer or or the commissioner for the piece. Mm. And you have all these different Planksties that he's written and we believe that maybe Mm. these people were the commissioners for those pieces. Okay. So this is like the modern equivalent of of the Planksties. (laughs) Uh, Very interesting. (laughs) Absolutely. I may be totally wrong there, but I I think... No, you're right. I mean, there's two sides to it. There's the money and there's the opportunity for the piece to live. And the, Mm. the audience is so important because without it, it doesn't have the life. The music yeah. isn't alive. Yeah. No. Did yeah. Oscar Wilde say art needs a witness? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Mm. So Thursday. Uh, sorry, uh, when, uh, sorry, Wednesday also has Quiva. Uh, you mentioned Quiva and Seamus O'Flaherty. So they are siblings. I looked it up on the web earlier. They're siblings. Yes. yes. From Connemara. And they'll be doing some vocal, songs as well. Vocal yeah. pieces. Yeah. Yeah.
something really special about having siblings or cousins who sing together. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I'm always thinking of the Beach Boys. Wouldn't it be nice if we were older, then we wouldn't have to wait so long. And wouldn't it be nice to live together in the kind of world where we belong. You know it's gonna make it that much better. When we can say goodnight and stay together Wouldn't it be nice if we could wake up in the morning When the day is new And after having spent the day together Hold each other close the whole night through The happy times together we've been spending I wish that every kiss was ever-ending But wouldn't it be nice? So the harmonies of the Beach Boys, because they were cousins and yes. brothers, yes. It, 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 it's got an extra layer of magic to it. Yes. Because, yeah. it, because it's like... It's an I'm, unwritten understanding between... Family members. Yeah. I and suppose. Al- yeah. And also there's a tonal quality. I remember I was yeah. playing um, with Ed Bennett, actually. It was, we, we were back in university, we were playing a, a gig. And Ed was playing the, the keyboard on an ironing board, because we didn't have a stand at the time. And uh, Pierce Quick was playing saxophone and I was playing guitar. And I remember I'd, I had a note that I was playing and Pierce came in on the saxophone underneath my note. And I couldn't tell where my note ended and his began because the timbre of the of both those notes were very, very, very similar. I think that's what I'm saying whenever it comes to siblings or cousins or relatives singing together. Whenever you have that close relationship mm-hmm. in terms of the genetics, mm-hmm. you have a, a crossover of timbre qualities which um, overlaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ideal ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So then Thursday the 20th, with uh, Fingen Collins on the piano? Yes, uh, and it's in the University Quadrangle. Yes, I've written it down here. It's the um, Emily Anderson Concert Hall. It's it's the upper floor of the old aula in the Quadrangle. That's got 30 steps, I think it says on the That's website. That's right, yeah. unfortunately. It's mm-hmm. a listed building and uh, they aren't able to provide access, so you have to walk up the steps. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so talk a little bit about the Thursday the 20th. Yeah, the Thursday night is the more classical orientation, if you want to use that name that we find so problematic. But uh, it will have as its main feature the Brahms Piano Quintet, which is a huge work and romantic era, powerful, emotive, tuneful. It's got everything. It's a fantastic piece. And the piano joins with the four in the string quartet for that. But also on that program, well, there's a little bit of looking back to previous times to Mozart, a a short adagio and fugue, beautiful piece. And also with a nod to Estonia, we have Arvo Pert, who will be known to lots of people coming from different sides of music and beautiful music. atmospheric, quiet.
So that piece is is on the programme and also calls attention to a forthcoming guest artist from Estonia who will be working with Contempo in the autumn at the end of 2023, which is very exciting. And we also have a piece by Rona Clark, who is a composer based in Dublin. And she's had quite a lot of experience working with Contempo, and she's had fantastic success recently. Last year, um, she released a CD of choral music recorded by the Latvian State Choir. It's an absolutely fantastic recording, and her new Requiem was written for them and uh, it's actually being done in Kilkenny Arts Festival with the Irish Chamber Choir this August.
So Rona is coming to hear her piece Pas de Quatre. Not Pas de Deux, but Pas de Quatre. Clever title. And um, this was commissioned some years back by Galway Music Residency. She's done a bit of revision on it for this performance. And I I think it's a, a very cheerful dance-like piece. And uh, we're you'd have a good chance to be introduced to something different. Wonderful. I see Estonia, by the way, um, there's a connection in Galway. You're, you probably know this, the two wild guys mm. up the shop right. street. Um, so you have Oscar Wilde and Edward Wilde sitting on a bench beside each other. And they're, well, Edward Wilde's from Estonia. I only read that recently because I, I've, yeah. I've been too busy walking past every other time. <laughs> so uh, I've got the quote here in front of me. So Oscar Wilde says, it's only by contact with the art of foreign nations that the art of a country gains that individual and separate life that we call nationality. And then Edward Wilde says, art is and must be universal. No national walls should be allowed to partition or divide it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Music is the universal language. Yeah. And I'm, see, I'm saying that, I'm thinking about Contempo again, coming from Romania, performing in their free concerts in St. Nicholas uh, Church, which uh, mm-hmm. I was lucky to have gone to recently. And you get a sense of the person, you get a sense of their passion. And whenever you have passion for music, for anything, it's infectious. Absolutely. Isn't mm. it amazing how mm. music is such a personal expression and each, just as each person is different, each person's interpretation or creation of music is individual and, and different. And that's the fascination of it. I've exhausted all my questions. Is there, is there anything else that you want to say um, that we haven't covered? Yeah, well, I just say one short thing about the quartet. They have four daughters between them, two and two, who are now forming and playing quartets. Wow. And are they playing the same instruments as their parents? Some, some of them are. It's, it's just lovely. And their pupils in different parts of the city and county are coming up. They're exactly... What we always wanted. It's taken longer than we expected, but the standard is raising and are raised and rising and they're enjoying the music making. And that is the key. Mm. And I assume that T.G. Cahar has stepped away from the. They did. Yeah, because they, they did. Bob Quinn made um, a film about the quartet just to show what they were doing. This was. 15 years ago, I think, wasn't it? It was 15, 10 years ago. It would be. They're yeah. here 20 years ago. they were now. still very young and it was um, it was a success. It, it kind of opened some people's eyes, but they had to be able to see it. It wasn't aired on television very often, I think. So every, every bit of publicity like this is a help. The good thing about the Galway Music Residency is that it's a constant pillar holding up the art scene in Galway. Would that be a fair depiction? Yes. Yes. It's there all year round with wonderful musicians. We want everyone in Galway to get to know them, to experience them live and to follow them and to enjoy what they're doing.
The Galway podcast is a champion for Galway, both city and county. Galway Music Residency is a champion for music in Galway City <laughs> and in Galway County. Is that a fair depiction? Yes. Yeah. Long may that continue. Here, here. <laughs> Ladies, thank you very much for your time and keep up the fantastic work. And everybody at GMR, keep up the great work. And Contempo, if you ever want to sit down and chat, I'm always here for you. They will. They will. They will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank Good. you, Fender. Thank you. Tough all to rove. Okay, sign the fall. Thank you. This has been a Solid Hill Media original podcast and production. <laughs>